I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. This is kind of a special one-off sermon um, where I want to preach about gratitude, gratitude. Um, Luke 17, we're going to be in verse 11, and as you turn there in your Bible, um, I wonder for you what your Thanksgiving traditions are. We get to this time of year and we are reminded of our favorite foods that we get to eat on Thanksgiving. Amen? Anybody? Anybody? And then some of you who are like, you know, maybe we should try a new thing and just do Thai food or sushi. Has anyone ever thought of that? Amen. Yeah, thank you. That'll preach, guys. I tried to have this, this conversation the past two years with my mom and my stepdad of like, hey, what if we did like a Mexican theme, fiesta? We can still give thanks. We don't need a dried out turkey to do so, right? Um, y- you don't. Um, and so uh, I've yet to convince um, the family of this. Um, So instead, we're going to do traditional, and it'll still be great. But I wonder, what are your Thanksgiving traditions? I know for me, um, every single Thanksgiving, um, almost every single Thanksgiving without a fail, as long as at least my mom is there, we all sit around the table. We've got our um, Thanksgiving dinner that we're eating, and um, at some point, my mom will say, okay, it's time. And we all know what time it is. It's time for us to go around the table and share what we are grateful for. And we'll go around, and typically with my mom being grateful for just one thing and sharing what you're grateful for, just one thing is not enough. You need to share two or three things, and, and, and we go around. That's one of my traditions. And I, I want to start this message before we get into God's Word with this question. <sighs> What are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? Now this passage that we're going to look at, it's all about gratitude. But it's specifically about what gratitude looks like. It's specifically about the practice of gratitude, but also the power of of gratitude. What gratitude looks like, and frankly, what ingratitude looks like, and the power of gratitude when we express it in our life. So Luke 17, um, if you're with me, starting in verse 11, it says, on the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, I just want to pause here for a moment and paint the scene. This is toward the end of Jesus's earthly ministry, and he's walking with his 12 disciples on this journey, walking on this road, and you have these 10 lepers who are screaming from a distance. Now, maybe some of you know what leprosy is. Leprosy in that day was, um, oh man, first of all, just describing it, it was a disease that literally ate your flesh away. 
So if you had leprosy, maybe you were missing a finger or two or a toe or three or a whole hand or an arm. And it would slowly eat away your flesh. You know, happy Sunday to you, Zach, right? It's like, oh, this is painting a really beautiful picture, isn't it? Um, But here was the thing about leprosy. A couple things. One is that if you had leprosy, it was considered very contagious. So if you had leprosy, instantly you were exiled from your community. So maybe you got leprosy when you were 35, 40 years old. You got three kids. You got a bride. Or maybe you're a female, you you get it, and you've got kids, and you've got a husband. Well, if you get leprosy, you, you don't ever get to touch them again, let alone ever see them again. And you would be exiled outside of your village. And what would happen often is because these lepers were so... Um, lonely because of this disease and and the outcasts that they would become is they would gather together with other lepers and there would literally be these colonies of lepers because it was the only community they could have. But here was the other thing that was very serious about it is that if you had leprosy, you can't go to the place of worshiping God. You can't go to the temple. How would you like that? You can't go to church anymore. You can't worship God anymore. On top of that, is leprosy was considered um, uh, by most people, specifically the Jewish community, it was thought that you had leprosy. Why? Because of sin. You had sin. That's why you have leprosy. So I just want you to consider for a moment the brokenness of these 10 people, the loneliness of these 10 people. They are outcasts. They are considered by all is unclean and sinful. That's why they have leprosy after all. And so it says that at a distance, they start shouting at Jesus. Why at a distance? Well, because according to the law, if you were a leper, you didn't get to go near those who were clean. <laughs> In fact, that if you were a leper and you're, you know, you're walking down the road and you, you see or you notice that a person is coming along and they don't have leprosy, you were supposed to call out, you know, unclean, unclean. How would you like that? You're just going around any person you see instead of saying hi or instead of getting a welcome hello back. You, your first words are unclean, 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 and they don't even look at you. They turn the other way and they run. And so these 10 lepers, they are at a distance. They are yelling. They are shouting, Jesus, master. Now, I think that's an important word, master. They know that Jesus is 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 more than just a man. They know that there's something about Jesus that, that he can offer for them. There's something about Jesus that maybe he can do for him. And guys, I can't help. I just want to stop and preach a whole other sermon about how much Jesus wants to do in our lives. 
Jesus wants to work in our lives, wants to move in our lives, wants to bless in our lives. And say, shout, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They don't even ask for healing when you think about it, right? I don't know why. I think they're just appealing to the mercy of Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on us. The, the story continues. And it says, when he saw them, he said to them, go, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, just, just stop there for a second. I can't help but wonder what is going through the minds of these ten lepers. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And, and, and Jesus begins to speak, and one of the ten, or maybe two of the ten, say, shh, shh, he's about ready to say something to us. He's going to heal us. He's gonna, and, and they hear Jesus say, go, show yourselves to the priests. Do, you, do any of you think these ten lepers are going, can you just heal us right now, actually? What's going on there? What, why does he say, go, show yourselves to the priests? Now, we don't know for sure if, if these ten lepers picked up on this or not. I, I think they may have, but Jesus is doing something. There's a purpose to this statement. So there's this book in the Old Testament. It's probably the least beloved book in the whole entire Bible. It's called the book of Leviticus. How many of you ever read the book of Leviticus? How many of you ever tried to read the book of Leviticus and didn't? Um, side note, uh, I read this incredible book that was like this thick on the theology of the book of Leviticus and like what's going on and I fell in love with the book of Leviticus. It's actually an amazing book, and, and you begin to see um, how the whole book of Leviticus is just pointing us to Jesus over and over and over again. But anyways, in the book of Leviticus, the two, I think it's the two longest chapters in Leviticus, you know what it's about? It's about leprosy. Leviticus chapter 13 is all about literally what you do if you think or you might have leprosy and it's it's literally a like a something you would find in your medical textbook of do this and then do this and then do this and then do this and and it's basically you got to go to the priest and it's the priest not a doctor who is the one who confirms that you have leprosy and oh by the way you have to leave the community and oh by the way you can't come back and we'll never see you again and then you get to Leviticus 14 now Leviticus 14 is very very interesting for a couple of reasons first Leviticus 14 is all about the procedure a person who gets healed from leprosy what they're supposed to do and it's very long and it's how they kind of get reinstituted into society but if you are a leper who gets healed you are to go to a priest show yourself and he would literally take you through the whole process very tedious I know you're going to want to go read Leviticus I challenge you I dare you to go read Leviticus 13 and 14 and check it out it's very long now what's really really interesting is Leviticus 14 is never practiced once in the whole entire Old Testament 
You, you see a man outside of the community of Israel get healed of leprosy. But probably the very first time in all of human history that the priests finally saw a man who was healed of leprosy was when Jesus showed up. And you can imagine, you know, the lepers show up and say, we've been healed from leprosy. And the priests are going, wait, 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 that's somewhere in the Bible. We're supposed to do a bunch of stuff. Where's that out again? Oh, Leviticus 14, that's it. So Jesus, what he is doing when he says, go, show yourselves to the priest, he's not saying, get out of here. He's saying, go. I'm going to do something. It's really, one commentary I read said, Jesus is kind of testing their faith. All right, you want me to heal you? Go show yourselves to the priests. And I love this. The ten go. They leave. There's just something right there about the simplicity of obeying Jesus when he asks you to do something. Like, go. Go show yourselves to the priests. And so they obey and they go. Listen, and it says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they were obeying Jesus, they were cleansed. Now listen to this, verse 15. This is where we get into really the riches of this passage and what it can teach us about gratitude. It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and praising God with a loud voice. Everybody say, loud voice. Now say it with a loud voice. Come on, loud voice. Holy cow, calm down, guys, jeez. And so with a loud voice, and listen to this, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. When's the last time we fell on our face and gave thanks to Jesus? Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, I love this. This is what he says. Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, I want you to see something that I think is pretty obvious, but let's see it and acknowledge it. Jesus is making a comparison between the one who came back and gave thanks, praising Jesus, and the nine who didn't. He's making a comparison. Amen, if you're with me? And it seems pretty obvious that he is um, lifting up this one as a positive example of gratitude and the other nine as a negative example of gratitude. Are you following? Are you tracking? Amen? I want us to see something that's really, really important about gratitude. And it's this. Gratitude is more than just a feeling of appreciation. Gratitude is relational. The reason why I point that out is because if you're like me, you, go, you, you Google, you know, define gratitude, and the very first thing that comes up is a feeling, an attitude. It's like this emotional state of appreciation. But in this passage, 
It's talking more than about an emotional or feeling of appreciation. It's talking about relational. Gratitude is relational. Here's how that plays out, and here's what that might look like. I have found in my marriage, my wife sitting back row, see you. Uh, I have found, and some of you in your marriage, you've found this if you haven't found it today, um, that there is a difference between me feeling very grateful that I came home last night, the house was clean because of my wife, and the house was decorated with the Christmas stuff. Like, I, I like when it's decorated. I just don't like to do the decorating. Can I be real? There is a difference between me feeling appreciation that my wife did that and me actually voicing the appreciation and saying, my love, thank you for cleaning the house and for getting all the Christmas decorations down and decorating. It looks great. Thank you. You know the difference, right? You never know really the difference until you're on the other side, right? Like sometimes we can forget about expressing gratitude and you're like, oh, no, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. But then you go and do something sacrificial and generous for someone and they might feel gratitude, but they never express it verbally. And in that moment, you're like, hmm, yeah, gratitude is relational, and I sure don't feel much gratitude from that person. So I want you to hear this. Gratitude is relational. It's more than just a feeling, okay? It's more than you just feeling appreciation. It is relational. But here's the other thing I want us to see. It's really kind of the main point of this sermon. And I want this to really set in here, and we see it in this passage, is that gratitude inexpressed, or unexpressed, there we go, gratitude unexpressed is received as ingratitude. So just these other nine, they get healed of leprosy. We're told they get healed with leprosy. Do you think that they were ungrateful? Do you think that these nine, they got healed, and they're, they, they, they're looking around, they're like, healed, you know, John, you're healed, you know, Bob, you're healed, and, you know, they're naming each other's names, and, oh, we're going to go see our family, and they're smiling and laughing. Do you think any of them said to one another, oh, we deserved this? I mean, maybe it was Jesus who did it, maybe not. I mean, we could have just been all healed together, matter of happenstance. Again, the text doesn't tell us, so, so I can't say for sure, but I think that we can all confidently assume that these other nine were really grateful. I'm healed. I gotta go see my mom. I gotta go kiss my spouse. I haven't hugged my kid in a decade. I gotta go do that. I can't help but believe that these other nine felt a spirit of appreciation and gratitude. And yet Jesus says, this one, this one gets gratitude, these nine don't. 
Gratitude unexpressed is received as ingratitude. Gratitude unexpressed, it's not real gratitude. It's certainly not full or whole gratitude. So let me ask you a question. Let me get in your business for a moment. What are the things that you feel grateful for? And you haven't expressed them. Gratitude, it's relational. It's not just what you're grateful for. Let me ask you this. Who are you grateful for? Who are you deeply grateful for and you have not taken the moment to express it? And it's not just relational with others. It's also relational with God. Just as I said, there's a difference between me being grateful, feeling grateful for my bride, and me expressing gratitude to my bride. In the same way, there's a difference between you feeling grateful for what God has done in your life. There's a difference between feeling grateful that Jesus is your Savior and He's given you eternal life and you expressing it verbally. I mean, look, look, look at the way that he, he, this man does it. He turned back, praising God with a loud voice, speaking. I love this. And it says, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. When's the last time you expressed your gratitude to Jesus like that? This is, this is the power of singing, friends. I want you to know that's, that's what we're doing. When we're singing here, we are expressing our gratitude and our praise to God. H have any of you um, wondered, why do we keep ending every single service with that same song praise God I won't sing it for you I will I will I will say it to you because I don't want you more than two people to laugh um <laughs> praise God from whom all blessings flow praise God all you creatures below. When, when I sing that, I, I'm typically in the front row, and I'm just imagining all of you praising God for what? All his blessings. So if you ever wonder why we keep singing this song, it's coming at the end, guys. It's coming. Just get ready for it. We do it because it's an opportunity for us to verbally express through song how grateful we are for the blessings that God has given us. And every good and perfect gift that you have, it is from above. It's from God's word. But if we don't express that gratitude, are, are, are we really, really grateful? Gratitude unexpressed, 
I'm not sure it's real gratitude. The other thing I think that's worth noting is that gratitude's a choice. One chose to turn back, the other chose not to. Gratitude is a choice. You don't have to wait for Thanksgiving to do it. You can do it today. You can do it tomorrow. You can do it now. You can do it five minutes from now. You can do it all day long, or you cannot. Gratitude is always a choice. 1 Thessalonians, um, the passage that Carlotta read, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in what? all circumstances. Choose to give thanks in all circumstances. Notice it doesn't say choose to give thanks in all those circumstances that make you warm and fuzzy on the inside. Give thanks in all those circumstances in which you can see how it's going to bless you. No, no, no. It says give thanks in all circumstances. Do you think trials are included in all in that passage? Can I get an amen? All circumstances. Gratitude is a choice, not just in the good of your life, but in the trials, in the hardships, in the struggles. One of my very, very favorite stories about gratitude comes from Corey Tenboom. I love Corey Tenboom. She is one of my heroes of the Christian faith. She was in her 50s. Um, when Nazi Germany was taking over and her and her family made the decision, we are going to provide safe harbor for Jewish people in our home. We're going to hide them even if it will come at the cost of our life. And so they began to do this out of a deep conviction that God, that Jesus Christ would do the same and that they need to be obedient to that. And so they provided safe harbor for Jews and got caught. So her, her sister Betsy, and her dad get thrown in prison. A couple weeks go by, her dad dies in prison. And then her and her sister Betsy, they're like in their late 50s, and they're sent to this Nazi internment camp. And they go in, and Betsy was able to smuggle a Bible in, which is a whole miracle in itself. Um, you can watch, if you're not a reader, you can watch the movie on Amazon. It's called The Hiding Place. It's a great Thanksgiving movie. It will bless your heart, I'm telling you. So they smuggle this Bible in, and they... Um, they show up into this internment camp. They're, they're, they're seeing brutality all around them. They don't even know if their friends or even themselves are going to live each and every single day. And they go into kind of their barracks where there's all these bunk beds. And there's enough bunk beds for about, I think it's about two, 300 people, but there's 1,400 of them in this single barrack. And, and they're sleeping all on top of each other, five, six, seven, eight people to a bed. And um, there's, uh, there's fleas everywhere. I mean, th they're getting rations for food, and their bread is moldy. There's like literally bolts and screws in their little soup, which is not really soup as much as it's water. And, and Betsy reads 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It was part of her little devotion for the morning, and, and she said to her sister, Corey, Corey, look around. We need to give thanks to God for all things. 
let's give him thanks. Let's thank him that we were able, we have God's word. They gave thanks. Let's give thanks that we have a bed to sleep in. Let's even give thanks for these fleas that are here. And Corey looks at Betsy and says, I will not thank God for the fleas. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, and I love Betsy. Betsy's response was like, no, but you have to because it, it says, give thanks all, all circum. You, you have to, Corey. God's word. And Corey's like, mm-mm. I'm not. So Corey refuses to give thanks for all things, including the fleas. And over the next um, couple of weeks, uh, Corey describes how every night, all 1,400 of these people, now mind you, most of them are not Christians, they're Jews. They're gathering together and they are worshiping God together. Every single night, they're singing and, and Betsy and Corey are, you know, sharing the gospel with them, and they're reading scriptures together, and it's, it's getting loud, and these horrible, horrible soldiers, guards, don't ever come in and interrupt them, won't come in, and this goes on night after night after night, and all of them are wondering, why are the guards not breaking this up? They should. Well, somewhere along the line, they realized, oh, they won't come near our barrack because of the fleas. Betsy and Corey kind of realize this at the same moment, and Betsy looks at Corey and says, are you ready to give thanks to God for the fleas? Corey says, I give thanks even for the fleas. Why do I share that? Two reasons. One, um, grad- gratitude's choice. You know, it's obvious why this man turned and gave gratitude to God. He just got healed of leprosy. But what is the role of gratitude when you're not healed of leprosy? What is the role of gratitude when you're not healed of cancer? What is the role of gratitude in your life when you get cancer or your kids don't want a relationship with you or you were reminded of your spouse's death at a particular anniversary? What is the role of gratitude in the trials, tribulations, and tragedies of your life. Do we just give gratitude when we get healed from leprosy? I love this story of Corey because it teaches us that gratitude is a choice even in the darkest moments. Can you imagine living in a more darker moment in human history than being in an internment camp and smoke is coming up and your friends are dying? I love this story because it teaches us something about the power of gratitude. The power of gratitude in your deepest moments of grief. And here's the power of gratitude. Gratitude opens your eyes to the goodness of God and the purposes of God, even in your deepest grief. 
Gratitude has the power to open up your eyes and help you see that God is still good and he still has purposes even in your deepest and darkest grief. The greatest example of this is the cross. Is there a more darker moment in all of human history than the day in which Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is murdered on a cross? Oh, the grief. God's word said literally the sky goes black. But we can be grateful even for the darkest moment of human history because in that moment, Jesus was dying in my place, in your place. So you can be thankful even for the darkest moments, the difficult moments, for the death, for the darkness, for the depression. Because God is still at work and he is doing something in you and through you. And gratitude for that is like a key that unlocks that door and you open it up and you're like, oh, okay. God's God's doing something. Gratitude unexpressed is really not true gratitude. Gratitude is a choice, is it not? It's a choice. And, and the choice that we need to make is a choice of expressing that gratitude. Don't just feel it, speak it. I love how the passage ends. If you go back to, to Luke 17, we'll end here. And he said to him, this is verse 19, rise up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. The other nine did not get that word of blessing spoken over them, did they? Only this one. Your faith has made you well. That Greek word for well, sozo, literally means salvation. Your faith has, has saved you. This is not to say that it, it, it's your gratitude in Jesus that gives you salvation. It's not meant by that. One of the commentaries I read, it was very helpful. It said, gratitude is what completes our faith. It's like this exclamation point. It's like this wholeness. And I'll end by saying this. This, ta this, this teaches us that, that gratitude brings a kind of wholeness in our life. That it goes beyond physical healing, but a kind of spiritual, emotional healing. 
And I want you to experience that. Experience the absolute power of saying thank you to someone. Don't just feel it, say it. This past Wednesday, we had our youth group, and Christina, um, she was uh, not feeling well, and and she asked if I would come and give like a devotion, and so it was me and one of our elders, Dan Mott, and so I was like, oh, I'll just try out the sermon on Sunday on these kids, and so I I share it, and I and I end with just saying, hey, here's my challenge to you. Who do you need to thank? Who do you need to express your gratitude towards? And after I got done, I was like, I should probably try this. And I looked at um, one of the students, his name's Cooper. He's one of my son's best friends. And I said, Cooper, I just want to say I'm so thankful for you. You, I'm just thankful that you are one of my son's best friends. And you are such a good example to him. And I literally like felt like, oh, this is, this is nice. This feels good. And then Cooper looks back at me. Mind you, he's 11, guys, 10, maybe 10. 10? He's 10, almost 11. And he looks at me and says, Pastor Zach, he's just dead serious. I want to say thank you for being my pastor and teaching me. I'm like, brother, you can make me cry. Come on. (laughs) Holy smokes, what that did to my heart. And after I was done with it, I'm like, I need to do this more. I'm like, hey, Dan, stop before you leave. Dan, I just want to tell you how grateful I am for you. Thank you. you. You don't have to be here, and yet you're here. You're pouring into our kids here. I think Dan's actually downstairs right now pouring into some of our youth right now. I just said, I'm so thankful for you. And he didn't say anything back. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Man, it felt so good, and then he just went on. I, Zach, I'm so thankful that God brought our two churches together. This is just such a work of God. Gratitude brings a kind of healness to your heart and soul. But I'm telling you, the ultimate healing that gratitude brings is when we thank Jesus for what he's done for us. Because when we thank Jesus for what he's done for us, it's like we are rehearsing again the love of Christ in our lives. And so here's my word of application. Don't just feel grateful. Express your gratitude. I want you to express your gratitude to some people in your life. After this service ends, we're going to have a time of fellowship. I want it to get emotional downstairs, okay? There are people in this room you need to thank. You're grateful for them. You just never expressed it. No one's going to judge you and say, well, Pastor Zach told you to say that. No. I want you to express gratitude. Who do you need to thank? Get out your pen. Get out a journal and, and begin to thank God for all that he's done. Don't just feel grateful. Express your gratitude. Not just to God, but to others. Amen? And start with your spouse. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you've done so much for us. Every good and perfect gift is from you. It is from above, and we want to say thank you for it.
Lord, this week, may we not just feel grateful, but may we express it. Pray this in your name. Amen.